From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. Kevin Brady is the highest-ranking minority party congressman on the House Ways and Means Committee. However, if Republicans take back the House in this year's elections, Brady won't be a part of the majority next Congress. That's because last year he announced he will not seek re-election, putting an end to his 26-year tenure representing the Houston area in the House of Representatives. But calling Brady a lame duck wouldn't be quite accurate. As the top Republican on Ways and Means, he's one of the leading opponents of President Biden's tax agenda, much of which is included in the stalled Build Back Better bill. This past week, Brady spoke with his frequent interlocutor, Bloomberg Tax Capitol Hill reporter Kaustuv Basu, about what we can expect from the final 12 months of Brady's legislative career. Kaustuv started off by asking the congressman why he's choosing to retire now. So, one, <clears throat> I, I love my job, I still do, and I love who I work with. And, and frankly, you know, I have a lot of optimism about the problems and challenges Congress can solve. And, and I've I've uh, made friends and colleagues on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, and again, not leaving because I'm disappointed or disillusioned, just the opposite. But after 26 years, you know, you just sort of know that uh, it's been a great, look, blessing and opportunity. And so it's, it, it is time for our family. But we still got work to do uh, on a number of issues. Thankfully, Ways and Means Committee is in the middle of of so many different issues. And so I intend to run through the tape with, with obviously my top priority being stopping the tax hikes and some of the, uh, I think, very bad policies in Build Back Better that would worsen inflation and make our labor shortage uh, even uh, harsher. So talking about the Build Back Better bill, uh, the bill is now stalled in the Senate after clearing the House. But are there elements in the bill that could be part of a smaller package that Republicans could support, uh, maybe in a tax extender kind of bill? Yeah, I, I'm always hopeful that after a very bitterly partisan year, that the president understands he needs a course correction. Um, uh, and he does. And I know that in Congress, you know, bipartisanship you know, ebbs and flows, you know, what can be pretty uh, dark and gray one year, can the, you can see blue skies and you can work together the next. So I think Republicans are hopeful we can work together, certainly on ways and means specifically. On retirement security, we've got a good bipartisan bill uh, and bicameral bill, I think can, can build on the successes of, of the SECURE Act in a very good way for targeting mainly those Americans who've left out of savings. They, they normally work for a small business and they normally have a low income. That's who we are, are focused on helping. I think, you know, trade, I still believe that there is bipartisan uh, uh, effort to be had there. We have, I think, tremendous momentum coming off of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, really historic trade vote uh, together. I think we have uh, bipartisan support for re-engaging in the world uh, with the UK on a trade agreement, a, a second regional uh, comprehensive agreement with Japan, uh, certainly discussions with the EU, uh, uh, reforms at the WTO uh, are very bipartisan. I think there's an area there. The president right now uh, has um, sort of a moratorium on new trade agreements. I think that's a mistake. 
economically. America needs to lead morally and, and economically in the world. There are, I think, opportunities um, to make America more medically independent from China with the right tax incentives and regulatory changes. I think that's an area we, we could easily work together on. And then there are uh, the tax extenders, um, some of which have, uh, a number of which have expired, but there's bipartisan supports too on issues like making sure that um, we don't amortize uh, the expensing of research and development. That's really key to innovation. I think that's uh, shown bipartisan support. You know, that um, there is a deduction limit on how businesses, they call it EBITDA, but basically how they invest back in their company, back in technology, sort of back into growth. I think that is an extender that there's bipartisan support. And then we ought to always have discussions. Um, while we don't always agree on sort of the energy tax extenders, there is a path forward there. So, yeah, I do think there's opportunities to work together in, in our space. I, I just don't know to what extent uh, our congressional Democrats will want to. What about the child tax credit? And is there a kind of a bipartisan solution here to help the neediest families? Well, I, I do think so, but I don't know that our Democrat colleagues will agree. I think uh, no question our biggest objection to um, the, the COVID emergency child tax credit is that it is disconnected from earnings and work. It was created in 1997 by Republicans in Congress and President Clinton to do two things, really to help families with the extra costs of raising kids, it's expensive. And then also as a reward for work, sort of another part of welfare reform to really um, encourage people to reconnect with the job because we know that's the surest way out of poverty. It's been a bipartisan credit for many, many years until the Republican tax uh, reform where Democrats vote against doubling it, increasing its refundability and expanding it, uh, its eligibility to a lot more American families, turning it into a significant welfare program, I think is a big mistake. So I do think there would be common ground on making the doubling of the child tax credit permanent, making it permanent that is expanded to more families and having the discussion on refundability. I think there is some grounds for a consensus. I wanted to ask you about more reforms for the IRS. You and other lawmakers, a bipartisan group, were instrumental in shaping the Taxpayer First Act, which brought some changes to the IRS and how it functions. But the agency is now struggling with unprocessed tax returns and lack of customer service reps. So what can Congress do and how fast can they do it? Yeah. So two thoughts here. One, it was, it's been disappointing, I think, for for many of us that the administration really focused not on, you know, getting down that backlog of, uh, of millions of tax returns, because we hear about it literally every day uh, back home, but their focus was on adding 80,000 or so new IRS agents in this bank surveillance scheme. I think they would have been better served to focus on those tax filings and tax refunds. Also, you know, they've overseen $6 trillion of spending this year uh, but they didn't allocate a dime to that backlog. I think that was uh, a big mistake. What I, where I do think there could be common ground is in that Taxpayer First Act. You may remember we did a number of reforms, but one of the things Congress did 
in a bipartisan way was tell the IRS, come back to Congress with a restructuring uh, uh, design that focuses on streamlining, on taxpayer service first, on making sure that you're not uh, automatically considered guilty be, uh, and have to prove yourself innocent in that in a way that taxpayers, the IRS would not be simply um, a gotcha agency, but a customer service agency. Because of the timing of that report, Stu, it really uh, it got lost in the and swept up in the pandemic. I'd like to see uh, our committee go back to that report, uh, hold hearings, have discussions with within Congress about uh, how to redesign the IRS to make it more taxpayer and customer service oriented. I think uh, that was report was put on a shelf for the pandemic for good reason. But now would be the perfect time because that was a bipartisan effort. I think it can be uh, going forward. What, what can Congress do in the short term? You know, we have a filing season about to begin later this month. Uh, and the IRS, uh, by their own admission, they're struggling. Can, can Congress do anything in the short term? Yes, it could. I think they could repurpose. There's about a half a trillion dollars from the COVID stimulus in, from March that hasn't been allocated and hasn't been spent in a whole number of buckets. I think the administration, if the administration asked to repurpose those and allocate those to the IRS on that backlog, I think Congress would agree to it in a second. Here's the challenge. Uh, the IRS is begging for workers right now in their processing centers around the country. Uh, uh, they have uh, they've had a challenge retaining employees uh, and certainly recruiting more of them. But I think at least um, you know more resources uh, from the, this backlog is a is a pandemic related backlog. It would make sense to use that money to try to address that. And if if they've got some other needs, those dollars could be used for. Frankly, I think Republicans Democrats would would line up together for that. Okay, let's uh, talk about the 2017 tax bill. Huge chunks of that bill will expire at the end of 2025, a lot of the individual provisions. Do you see another tax reform bill at that time when these items are renewed and you know maybe more changes are made? You know, I, um, I think the first goal would, to be, would be to make those individual tax provisions and small business provisions uh, permanent. Um, one, issues like the child back tax um, credit, doubling the tax deduction, a number, uh, the standard deduction, the small business tax credit itself are all really key for economic growth and, and frankly, fairness and simplicity in the tax code. The first, and, and making it permanent would create about a one and a half million new jobs for America. I think at a time we need that, uh, that would be, I think, the first goal. As you know, I said uh, immediately after we passed it that there was opportunities for fine-tuning the tax code. And now that we've seen it operating, you know, in its growth area, uh, areas it simplified, areas it complicated, I think there's fine-tuning to be made here in a bipartisan way. And I think the international tax provisions would be an area where we could see that. I think on the small business deduction itself, I think is overly complicated, I think. And now that we've seen it work, I think there's improvements that could be made in a bipartisan way. So, you know, I won't be here, uh, but my advice would be 
make permanent the pro-growth and the tax release for families and small businesses, work together to fine-tune um, the international and simplify the small business portions. Those are the areas that jump have jumped out to me, um, you know, watching it uh, actually operate. What changes would you make to the international tax provisions? Where where do you see uh, Congress kind of changing? I think, them? you know, now that the challenge is the international tax provisions are still more complex, more complex, excuse me, than I would like to see. Uh, and now that we've seen it operate um, from a competitive standpoint, I would look at it in two ways. Uh, is it making us more competitive? And, and if parts aren't, change them. Is there overly uh, complicated provisions that don't achieve what we wanted to achieve? You know, change them. And I will would say too that Republicans, as you know, has set, have set a tax goal of making the U.S. the most innovative nation on the planet, and using the tax code to help drive that. You know, the third test I would apply to the international side is: Is this making America? Uh, a more attractive location for innovation and development? And if not, I, I, I would fine tune that. Um, you know, I can't help but ask you about the border adjustment tax, which was part of the 2017 Republican tax bill and would have completely kind of rewritten the tax code. It was then dropped as you faced, uh, let's say some friendly fire. <laughs> what what did you learn about Washington D.C. at that time? Because I I remember you and how stressed you were at that time, and you know you were trying to go in a different direction uh, than our existing tax code. Yeah. So we wanted to go bold, and we wanted to simplify the code, and we wanted to make sure we were competitive. And the border adjustment tax achieved all three of those in in I think a game changing way. Um, you know, it is almost a consumption tax on, on the um, business side and would have taken that whole complex international code um, uh, and, and wiped that out and replaced it with that simple border adjustment tax to make sure that, that whether you built something in China, in Russia, or you built in the US, they would be taxed the same here in the United States. It was yeah, I think a fairness issue, a competitive issue, and a simplification issue that would have worked well, and I still believe has a role in our tax system. Um, what we discovered was um, while the rest of the world lived in a value-added tax world or a border adjustment tax world, uh, the U.S. wasn't ready for that so quickly. It was a big change. Uh, businesses um, weighed in quickly, who believed that they would be harmed by it. And frankly, we had such a short timetable, there wasn't the opportunity to normalize it, to uh, hold uh, hearings, to be able to make the adjustments that I thought could easily be made to address, address some of those issues. So it had to be set aside. I, I'm convinced that as the U.S. continues to fight to be competitive, and as companies struggle on these international tax provisions, that a, a, a modern 
uh, American border adjustment tax, frankly, could drive more growth, certainly more competition for America and simplify the code in a significant way that would lower the cost, frankly, of doing business. So I, I actually think there still is a feature for it. Uh, it will be for someone else to carry though. So um, you've been in Congress for two and a half de decades. Uh, so what are you most proud of in terms of legislation and what's the one that got away that you could not do? <laughs> So um, obviously tax reform, uh, I'm most proud of it. It was a remarkable team effort, uh, uh, I think in the House, in the Senate and with President Trump and uh, achieved much of what we sent out to create a tax code built for growth. Um, you know, it ended up not being as simple as I would have that we started out to do, but that's the political process. I. I'm proud of actually the first job I got from Speaker Ryan was to help negotiate an end to the 40 year ban on selling crude oil around the world. He started that three weeks into my chairmanship and achieved that. That was, I think, of a, a bit of a game changer for American independence. You know, I'm proud of the IRS reforms that were bipartisan, the retirement security reforms were bipartisan, and the surprise medical billing uh, work that we just achieved, although it's disappointing that the Biden administration absolutely ignored what the law said and has gone a different direction. But that's an area that Chairman Neal and I, I think did an awful lot of good work there. I think more um, quietly, I think provisions that, that were important to me, such as the new baby savings, uh, you know, lifting that required minimum distribution uh, for for those who are 70, now, now 72. Uh, 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 the work we've done on developing new treatments for uh, rare diseases like primary pulmonary hypertension, immune deficiency, battens and rests, those were things I've been working on. The, the one that's gotten away so far, but I haven't given up yet is... Um, uh, eliminating the windfall elimination provision. It is, I think, a, a glitch in our social security system that treats teachers, police, and firefighters unfairly in social security in about a dozen states. I've worked on that for many, many years. Uh, Chairman Neal and, and I share the same um, sort of passion for fixing that. Uh, it hasn't gotten away yet, but I'm hopeful we'll we'll get that uh, done before I leave. So what's next for you? Do, do you go back to the local chamber of commerce or do you have a role somewhere in DC? What are you thinking? So I, I don't know yet. Um, you know, like, like I never moved from Texas, so that'll always be our home. Uh, obviously, I want to be involved in the issues I care about, Ta tax, international trade and healthcare. Certainly uh, among those, and uh, I really will begin to think about that this year. We've been so heavily involved in um, these tax fights uh, in Washington, and will continue to be. It's still my number one priority. But that has really taken up all my time, um, as well as work back home on the Texas uh, congressional maps, and uh, and it's been exciting too uh, on the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, as we, we've, I've worked very hard with our team, our ranking members of subcommittees, make sure we're hitting on all cylinders. So uh, when Republicans take back the majority, our committee is, 
you know, they can just hit the gas pedal and, and go as far and fast as they, they need to. And, I, and I'm really proud of that. Oh, ranking member Brady, thank you for your time. And thank you for always stopping to chat with reporters. Uh, <laughs> and that's it for today's Talking Tax. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxworld.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.